Ah, yes, friends. It's OGP, the one giant podcast where we are your hosts, Adam Arbrecht, also covering the Brooklyn Nets and the Locked On Nets podcast. And of course, the sunshining Floridian and season ticket holder, generational New York football Giants fan. Andy Mackowitz, how are we, sir, on a Wednesday? As you can see, I had a little bit of color yesterday, just out in the sun. I feel bad for everyone that's uh, back home in the Northeast right now. I mean, it's supposed to be you know, 79, 80 degrees in the next few days. I, I hope that y- your thoughts and prayers are with me just to make sure I just don't get sunburned, Adam. Listen, buddy, uh, windburn is a real thing in the Northeast, so you got to watch out for that too. We can both be getting color, just not the kind of thing that turns into a tan necessarily on both ends. That being the case, we're going to uh, take a quick look back at the playoff weekend, our pick selections. I have, I have some takeaways for myself. There's also some kudos for Andy. Going to get into a, a news and note around a New York football giant player. And then, of course, second round of interviews for the New York football giants GM spot. Maybe this is now down to the short list of candidates, the front runners and potential coach connections there, as well as what it means, something that we didn't get to having now a new GM and a new head coach, obviously with the dismissal of Joe judge last week, what does it mean for the roster free agents, et cetera? So we're going to get into it all, but let's kick it off with, with looking back, man, the, the pick selections five out of six for you, right? That that's the number. Fantastic job. I think, um, listen, take a victory lap first and foremost. Cause I have, I have thoughts around, you know, where I maybe want to stray. The only one just to temper you to pull you down to earth is and shame on me. I should have taken your cue when you said you're willing to be wrong and look bad on the Patriots pick. I should have taken that and gone the exact opposite way. You're exactly right. I mean, you know, most people would would uh, would shout from the rooftops about the five they got right, but not me, Adam, because I'm a perfectionist. I can't believe I missed that Patriots one. I said to myself, if I'm going to lose one pick this week, losing by betting on Bill Belichick isn't the worst, and and that's the one that I only one that I lost, and I you know the. Buffalo Bills look like they're rounding into form. You know, Josh Allen looks amazing right now. That should make Giant fans feel really good, knowing that uh, there could be a Joe Shane, Brian Dayball, uh, you know, potential uh, uh, partnership in, in New York coming so- pretty soon. But yeah, I felt really good. I mean, to be honest with you, Adam, I, the game that I loved the most, the one that I had the most conviction about was the Rams. It's the, the one that I put the most money on uh, over the entire wildcard weekend. And from the first snap, I basically said, well, this is good. And I went to bed like at the beginning of the third quarter, knowing that that bet was well in hand. It just felt so good because Arizona is just so bad down the stretch. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to. And the Cardinals were, and that should have been a cue for a lot of people, including yours truly around that pick. Briefly on, I, I thought, you know, I thought I was going to get that Steelers one because that game actually was playing out the way I thought. I didn't think the Steelers were going to be like ultra competitive in it, but. I thought a late garbage time touchdown, right? Like that was kind of in the range they were in. I was just hoping that they were going to be around that 20 point deficit garbage touchdown, bring it down to 13, a push kind of scenario. But I tell you one thing for whatever happened with Kansas city over the course of the season and Mahomes figuring some stuff out, good Lord, take the first quarter off and they still score 42 points. Right. Um, on the Cardinals one, dude, this is what I'm going to say. 100% 100% Rams looked, you know, looked dominant. Good for them. Good for OBJ, right? Doing some of the things we saw him do as a giant, passing the ball for, for big gains from hash to hash. Impressive. But the Cardinals, man, you're Cliff Kingsbury, you're supposed to be this wonderkin offensive wizard. And I'm not saying that you weren't outmatched in that. You don't have nuke for Kyler Murray. Well, you got to come into that game with some other approach than what you went out there with. Because it almost, it almost felt like, the Cardinals walk out there saying, well, we're obviously going to lose. 
let's just see if we can not embarrass ourselves. And Kyler Murray, obviously still one of the one of the top young quarterbacks in the league, but he put out a very uncomfortable performance, more akin to a Jalen Hurts than to a Patrick Mahomes, right? Like the Cardinals end their season, even making the playoffs, they have to kind of be doing a little bit of a look in the mirror around what do we need to adjust here? Because that was an all-time, I think, disappointing performance, regardless of win or loss, just that did not look like a team that was ready to go out and compete on Monday night. And, and kudos to Sean McVay and the Rams too, because they came in and they had a game plan that they executed flawlessly, Adam. They basically said, we are going to run it down the Cardinals' throats until they finally bring safety help into the box. And then we're going to let Odell Beckham and everyone else run wild all over the field. And it was such a smart play. The, the Cardinals are 26th in run defense. They, they're not really good at stopping the run. They're good at getting to the quarterback and they have, you know, good players in the secondary kudos to the Rams for doing what they did, you know, watching, watching Odell Beckham, you, you and I went back and forth on Twitter, man, it would be nice if the giants had a, had a dynamic playmaker, someone like Odell Beckham. Why don't we get lucky enough ever to have that type of player on our roster, right? Listen, it's great and it's awesome for Odell, but it's just it's it, it's over, man. I'm happy for him. This is not this was not going to be his era with the New York Football Giants. That wasn't going to make a difference. You had to you wanted to move on. Now the the, the hilarious thing is, and what we've talked about before is. You had to move on from OBJ, and you also had to not spend money on Kenny Galladay, right? If you're going to tell me, if you were going to tell me, I'll put it though, I will, I will agree with you on this. If you were going to tell me, as of 2022, the New York Football Giants were going to have a high-priced wide receiver on their team, I'd probably rather have just lived with Odell through some of the difficulties and come out the other side on it because the whole premise was don't have this big contract on your books, and then and then somehow the Giants managed to find their way there anyway. Well. When we're talking about Giants wide receivers that are currently on the roster, you know, no disrespect to Odell Beckham, wish him well. Um, there was a one Giant receiver that was in the stands for that Rams and Cardinals game, and that was Kadarius Tony. And Adam, I don't know if you heard the controversy that's going on on Twitter around Kadarius Tony, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So Kadarius Tony went to the game. Uh, he was college teammates with Van Jefferson, the wide receiver from the Rams at, at the University of Florida. They remain close, close friends. Uh, Kadarius Tony flew out there to support his friend, but was wearing a Los Angeles Rams scarf around his neck during the game. And this has rubbed people the wrong way because they're like, you play for one team. It's not a family member. It's a, a player that you played within college and now you're wearing another team's jersey or another team's logo on you while you're watching the game i i already know where you're going to go with this adam but please please let me know how you how you feel about Kadarius wearing another team's logo we'll risk the tag i don't give a shit I don't, this, this is the dumbest thing ever and I, and I understand when you're you know being a fan of a team and die hard all this stuff what do you care you think Kadarius Tony's going to run out and catch passes for the Rams next season instead of the Giants? Like, it, it doesn't matter. He played with the guy at college. There's connections. There's relationships in the NFL. I'm not saying I want to see Kadarius Tony wearing a Rams hat on the Giants sideline while we're playing them next year. He's a fan. He's a friend. He goes, he watches the game. Of course, he goes, what, what do you want to put on? That would look, wouldn't it look weirder if he showed up at, 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 in the stadium in L.A. with a Giants hat on? Just reminding everybody, I'm a member of the New York football Giants fans. Knock it off. Okay, so I will agree with you 100%. Like, who cares? He's supporting one of his friends. Not a big deal. However, I will say, the fact that it's Kadarius Tony and the fact that he's, like, 
just had these like little weird things that have happened since his you know start with the Giants, where it's like he kind of gets injured, but we don't know what his injury is. Then he's like you know standoffish with the media. You don't really know where he's at. Then he has COVID, but we don't know how long he's had it for, or what's going on. And then he's on the field, he's off the field, he's injured, he's not. Like it just seems like there's always something going on with him. Now this is one where like it feels like the media is obviously trying to just get the engine going here. But do you do you feel like it's just kind of like one thing after another where Kadarius Tony is in the news outside of that Dallas game. He's in the news for kind of like non-football related reasons, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Listen, I mean, diva wide receiver. I mean, I think that he's in that mold and nothing, nothing's happened yet to be concerned about that or anything, but you can tell, and I'm not even knocking it, right? It's part of the personality. I think, I think that that's who he's going to be as an NFL player. I think he's going to be bigger than the game at times. I think he's going to make it about him at certain stretches. And it'll be very interesting to see how the New York football giants move forward with him, with a new GM, with a new head coach and, and what that looks like. I'll tell you right now, all this to couch inside of wide receivers, former, present, future in Kadarius Tony and what that looks like. I'll go back to the draft and tell you I wouldn't mind having Quiddy Pay instead. I wouldn't mind maybe, you know, having uh taking a look at Darisau out of Virginia. I wouldn't mind having gone with uh I don't know, maybe Peyton Turner out of New, like the New Orleans picked up there, right? Like there's a lot of names now that we've moved on from this past regime where even regardless of of what Kadarius Tony is or what he's going to be. I think we agreed at the time, even it was okay. I mean, you already signed Kenny Galladay, which we disagreed with. Now you're adding this player. And even though you know you want to have talent at the wide receiver position, this feels ripe for a young, incredibly talented wide receiver by all accounts that's going to be on a bad team in the short term. And we know how that can go south quickly when you're talking about high talent at the wide receiver position. Well, you know, what's going to be really interesting is, you know, year two development and growth. There's going to be a new head coach and a new GM now that are going to have to figure out the best way to utilize Kadarius Tony and the best way to make sure that he stays on the straight and narrow so that we get the most out of him. Right. Of course. No, of course. So we'll see what we'll see what that brings, obviously, as we move through the offseason. In the immediacy, though, it's, of course, the GM search that the Giants are engaged in right now. Second round of interviews officially came up. Uh, first one was the same one that got the first Zoom interview, all important Zoom calls. Uh, and that was Joe Shane. As you mentioned, Buffalo Bills look really good uh, in the game against the Patriots. We know that Dable is very closely tied to that as well. There seems to be an interest from the Giants for Dable to be the head coach. Sometimes those things, I feel like, get thrown out there because, you're talking about the, the assistant GM. You might as well be talking about the offensive coordinator. He seems to be the front runner in the building. The, the more interesting one I think that's come out is the second name behind it. I want to get to him in a second, but do you think right now, if you're a betting man, is it the Shane Dable ticket? Is that the one that looks like it's just a lock and it's a matter of time? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, listen, so far we know Joe Shane has interviewed. We know that Ryan Poles is in New York, presumably in the building as we're recording this podcast for his second yes. interview. Surprisingly, they're the only two interviews out of the nine that have been announced by the Giants, but it doesn't seem like that, you know, the Giants have been outwardly saying, well, this is the next guy up or this is the next guy up. They just come back and say that they formally concluded. I would be shocked if Adam Peters doesn't come back for another interview, especially given the temperature that the fan base has around Peters. It would seem like, you know, you're trying to get back into everyone's good graces. It's almost like you kind of have to do it as a courtesy to make it seem like he's part of this process. Because if they don't, I think giant fans would be disappointed. But to your point, I think, I think 
Joe Shane and, and Dayball is definitely the the leading duo in, in in the clubhouse right now. I mean, obviously Shane was first to interview the first time. He's first to interview this time. May not mean much because his team's still competing, and he he needs to get these interviews done before they get into the next week. But I I mean, this to me feels like Giant fans would give a thumbs up to this situation, especially given all the experience that Dayball has as an offensive coordinator in many stops. I, you know, you got to feel pretty good about the 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 Shane and and Dayball connection. But what what are your thoughts about polls and what he could bring and and maybe who he can bring with him? Yeah, listen, Polls gets the second interview. He's the first, you know, after obviously Shane, he's the next guy that gets the interview. It's occurring in this moment right now. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna say surprised. Obviously, we know that the Kansas City Chiefs have been an incredibly successful team. Ryan Poles basically his entire professional career is with the Kansas City Chiefs. I had a stop at Boston College prior to that. I like what he's done. I like that there's been this steady growth for him and rising up through the ranks of the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not going to knock it. I'm fine with it. Before I get to the connection with the with a potential head coach, do you did you at all feel like you know Rand Carthon was also brought in? There was conversations. You can go back and check out. I think the last episode I'll put it in the show notes uh, where I talked about his connection with Thomas Brown potentially as a very young tandem that could come in as GM and head coach if you want to go with the dark horse candidate. Do you feel at all that this Ryan Poles thing, if we think that Adam Peters is still in the wings? Is this is is this just a Rooney rule you know rule satisfaction? You you've been hearing this about how at this current moment we're down to just Mike Tomlin as a black coach in the NFL, and the Rooney rule doesn't seem to work very effectively. You know you have to check certain boxes. Are you concerned that that's all that this is, and that they're not getting a fair shake to really state their case to be the GM of the New York Football Giants or any team for that matter? No, I, I'm actually not. I'm I'm the opposite on this. So while I don't have Ryan Poles as my one, two, or three, uh, you know, one or two necessarily, because I have you know Peters and Joe Shane. I mean, Ryan Poles has over a decade of experience. He's played the, the offensive tackle position, which the Giants need, and the fact that he already went through this G, you know GM interview process once before during the last go around. You know, he was one of the three or four finalists for the Carolina job. So clearly he's doing something right. They say he's charismatic. People love to hear him talk yep. and he has a direction in which he wants to take things. So, uh, you know, while he may not be my favorite candidate, it does sound like he's impressing a ton of people. Yeah. And I, I, I would say it seems like because he got that immediate second interview right after Shane that you would assume the first round it was. All of a sudden, polls came up the list there, right? And I'm also, I want to make sure that I give credit if I can here. We had somebody in over on Twitter. Aha, there we go. This was over from uh, Marcus Gilmore, who had his orientation, his new job the past week. And Ryan Poll's father had told me that he got the that first interview call on this past Sunday, now coming in for the second one. So going back to last week, we have we have fans on YouTube that are providing us with the insider information. From a head coaching perspective, we've talked about before, Biennemi has been waiting in the wings when we think about Ryan Poles potentially taking that job. We've, we've heard a lot about Biennemi in the past. There's some you know, speculation around, well, he's underneath Andy Reid. Who's really pulling the strings? Would he be capable of taking it on? I wanted to provide you with, as you see going over on YouTube here, 2013 to 17 with the Chiefs, uh, obviously spent some time in Colorado, which was his alma mater at college, and also UCLA. Had a stop with the Minnesota Vikings as well. The reason why I bring it up is if you are someone like Andy, who I think likes the idea of keeping Saquon Barkley around in the upcoming season, it's worth noting. I think, you know, obviously having a guy like Patrick Mahomes helps you when you're building an offense, but he's had a lot of success 
creating, he's a run, been a running backs coach over the course of his career, creating successful running games and taking premier talents and absolutely maximizing who they are. A couple of those that I want to bring up, as I said, when he's in Colorado, he had five seasons there and uh, five seasons there before moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, where he produced thousand yard rushers each of those five years. Now that includes, of course, one Adrian Peterson was a part of that there as, as well as uh, Chester Taylor in that mix too. But the two of them combined 1,341 for Peterson and about 900 for uh, Chester Taylor as well there. UCLA, where he had Maurice Jones-Drew back in the day, 2003 to 05. Got him a 1,000-yard rusher year after year. Got him All-American honors as well. I do think that if we if we want to, this isn't spinning a positive, but if you want to look at it in, what would this mean for the New York football giants in the short term? If you're someone who wants to keep Saquon around, the enemy could be the kind of offensive mind that comes in and says, how do we maximize the value of Saquon Barkley? We know he was coming back from injury this past year, but shy of that rookie season where he caught 90 passes to go along with the rushing attack, we've always felt like, and, and this is true about the Giants, by the way, across every single position on the offense, we're underutilizing the talent. We don't know how to effectively modernize our offense. If there's one place that you can look to and one head coach that you can look to, it's Andy Reid, who seems to understand on a year-to-year basis, what are the new wrinkles? What are the new innovations? And if we think the enemy is capable of that, there's certainly a tie there that could give you some, some sense of how could we be competitive? How could we be dynamic offensively and maybe keeping this piece around that we know it's going to be coming for a contract, but but certainly has talent. We know that certainly has value right now. Well, it, it's funny, Adam, be, that you bring that up, and it, it is a good point because we, you know, took the number two selection and, and took Saquon Barkley, and he's supposed to be our gold jacket. Uh, you know, thanks, Dave Gettleman, our jacket wearing member of the Hall of Fame soon. And now, Giant fans are talking about well, how we could save seven million in cap space if we trade Saquon this offseason. We need cap space to do different things. Eric Bieniemy might rejuvenate and revitalize the way that we use Saquon Barkley. Like you said, he played the position. He has the most experience with it and has had success throughout his career being able to build it up. I, I think it's kind of funny, though, that you mentioned it, Adam, because you're excited to move on from Saquon Barkley. What if Eric Bieniemy got hired as the head coach and Saquon Barkley has a little bit of a renaissance and then the Giants need to franchise tag Saquon or be able to sign him to a long-term deal after this? Does that work? I mean... Is that a good problem to have? Does that worry you that like if he gets at that over a thousand yards, you're like, uh, should we still pay a running back 12 million bucks? Yeah, I, I think it ties into what will be the piece that we get out on here as we talk about. Obviously, we'll see what updates come here if Adam Peters makes it back or any other candidate gets that second interview. The speculation is that the Giants could wrap everything up with a GM search by the end of this week. So it's Wednesday right now. It only gives a couple of days here. I, I think I wouldn't be shocked if it made it into the weekend if they have more than one more candidate they want to bring back for a second interview. But we'll obviously keep tabs on it. When we look ahead to that 2022 NFL draft and the, and the roster here, it's funny. The fact that Saquon Barkley is still under contract, right? So there, there's two things here. We spoke about it with Candace Cooper. Hey, here's this list of free agent players that are about to happen. Now, we talked to her prior to Joe Judge being fired. And I think the, the first reality is the New York football giants, new GM, new head coach. If you're a free agent here, maybe if Patrick Graham is retained on the defensive side of the ball, depending who comes in, Maybe there's a couple of guys on the defense that are free agents who'd say, I have a connection with them. They work well here. We'd like to see them come back. But now when you have a new regime and a new coaching staff, 
you got to assume everybody's gone, right? That, that That's phase one. Everybody is going to be gone if you're a free agent because there's, there's no connection or need to bring them back. The Saquon piece to me, I it's almost a two-headed thing. I, I said it to you that the enemy could be, be a renaissance piece for Saquon Barkley, right? But I also think that you want to look at that and say there's big names mentioned there in his track record. You kind of want to say, this guy can foster success with any number of running backs potentially. So if you look at if you look at Booker right now and you say, we have Devontae Booker, he's a strong running back. We think that he can probably be maybe that Chester Taylor kind of guy. He could give you 800 yards, 900 yards in a season potentially. Now you can still go into the draft and look to bring a young, dynamic, playmaking running back and create a tandem there potentially. I, I, I wouldn't be against it depending on the other moves that the Giants make this offseason of keeping Saquon Barkley around. However, I I would have great reservations about signing him to a long-term deal. That's always been what this has been couched in, right? You're going to lose him, I think, because I don't think it'll make financial sense to pay him 10, 11, or $12 million a year coming up. So you need to get the value when you can. Would I hate if he's on the roster and maybe at the trade deadline? When the Giants are, you know, a two and five team or something, or, you know, three, three and four, something like that. And you just feel like, hey, we drafted a young running back. Some writing's on the wall here. Let's get value. Saquon looks good. What contending team really needs him? What running back has gone down somewhere else? I still think you have to keep that door open, but, but you do reset the table. Once the GM gets picked and then the head coach comes in, I think you, you reset through their vision how you feel about certain players on the roster. We talked about this at the beginning when, when Dave Gettleman was retiring and whether we keep Joe Judge or not. And, and the whole idea about whether we keep Joe Judge or not, I know majority of people wanted him out. He left. Um, we, people were asking the same questions about Daniel Jones, about Saquon Barkley. The answer to me has always been the same. You give the GM full autonomy to make every one of these decisions in the mold of what he wants his team to be. If he likes Saquon Barkley and wants him here and believes he can get the most out of him, perfect. Keep him, make him your focal point. If he says we need to trade him, we need to you know draft a quarterback first round and we're, we're going in this direction, fine. It doesn't matter how much I like Saquon Barkley. It doesn't matter how much I like Daniel Jones. It, it's all on this person because I don't want any more excuses. I don't want, well, this ownership team told me I had to take this guy or this head coach or GM told me I needed to do this and vice versa. I didn't agree with it. There's no more like blame this person for I didn't want this or all these crazy reports of like Ben McAdoo wanted Patrick Mahomes, but ownership didn't want him. It's like, I don't want to hear any more of that. I badly wanted to say like, I need receipts on that. Just, you know what I mean? I I get, I'm not saying that it's not true, but I don't remember hearing in the, in the draft that there was this power struggle or immediately following the draft. Like you didn't hear anything about this until well after the fact. And I'm not saying that there weren't people inside the organization that like Patrick Mahomes. Remember where he got drafted, there was speculation that the giants were thinking about maybe trying to move up the board, which is what Kansas city did. They stayed, they took Evan Ingram, right? Like, so I think, yes. Was there a possibility that the John, that the giants liked him? Yes. I'm sure you could evaluate the time and say you like him, but this idea that we've been now it's gotten prescribed to Ben McAdoo. And they, oh, he's the lone, the lone reed blowing against the wind. It's just, it, it, it seems a bit absurd, but please. Continue. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, we're hearing reports that like other people inside the building wanted Quentin Nelson instead of Saquon Barkley and Dave right. Gettleman. Like everyone keeps pointing, you know, fingers at whose fault it was to draft this person. I want a GM and a head coach that are together, that make these decisions together and collectively decide on these things. And no more he said, she said, 
pointing fingers about who, who they wanted to draft. That's why I'm most excited about this clean break. It gives the new GM and the new head coach every option on the table, especially going into the draft or free agency. If there's a guy that the Giants are losing that they want to bring back on a, and a little bit of a cheaper deal, they now have the ability to do that, right? Like they have the, the whole situation is completely wide open for this head coach and GM. And that's the way it should be if we want a, a 180 from the direction that we've been in, Adam. Yep. And, and listen, at the end of the day, the draft is now 99 days away. As Andy put it, got 99 days and the draft is one. Um, you look at this and say, whether it's the enemy, whatever GM, whether it's Dable, whatever head coach, whatever it's going to look like here, when you come to this draft, and we're going to start to do this on the in-between days, when there isn't news about the GM or the head coach on Friday, come back in. We're going to be making our picks. I have some work to do. Two points for every game now, so I'll figure it out. I'm not too concerned. I'm, I'm what they call a late bloomer. But when you look at this draft, we're going to start to go into, no matter who comes in, the offensive line is still priority number one. The Giants have three picks between two in the first round and that high second round pick. There are eight or nine offensive linemen in the top 40. The New York football Giants have to look at this collection of talent and figure out a way to address two positions across that offensive line. There's a lot of names there. There's a lot of ways the top of the board could fall. Would it be prudent for the Giants to trade out of one of those picks and take advantage of projecting forward to quarterbacks that could be coming out in the following draft class? Or are there viable options here that improve this team in the short term? That's the next piece that we dive in on here. Because if the enemy, you want to make Saquon Barkley a stud again, you need an offensive line. If you want to give Daniel Jones one last look, Dable, you need an offensive line, right? So no matter how you slice it, the best path forward is the best path forward for any NFL team. Having a strong offensive line, having a strong defensive line, and having some success. So we'll start to break down some of these guys here. There's a few different boards. Uh, Mel Kuyper just came out with this first mock draft but you've got ESPN's top players available. You've got the draft network, and there's some there's some differences here. A couple of guys are in stark place positions as far as being maybe mid-20s versus being top 10. So we'll try to start to disseminate through that information because that's the next phase here, the Giants. Free agency, we get it. Guys that are going to be coming and going, fine. The draft is where this team starts its rebuild under whichever GM. But it has to be one that's hit with success. And we'll, we'll take a look back, by the way, Andy. Kudos to the both of us. Because there's a number of names from last year's draft that we thought the Giants should have taken a good long look at that had pretty damn successful rookie seasons. This is true. Adam, just to, to correct you on one thing, it's 99 problems, but the draft ain't one. It's not 99 days till the draft ain't one. Give, give their listeners what they want, okay? I said the 99 days and the draft is one. No, it's okay. 99 days. I'm the hip hop specialist. Well, like, no. you, you may not be, so I, I completely. Which is far classier and more effective and certainly more tying into the song, obviously. But that's, that's neither here nor there, Andy. We will be back in talking about the New York football giants, breaking down what comes next for them, and hopefully highlighting who the GM is and then deep diving on those head coaches available. Until next time, follow us on social media. Get in on the YouTube comments. Hit us up with who you want to be the GM, the head coaches you would prefer. There's. That loose, loose rumor that uh, one Brooklyn native, Brian Flores, wants to come into Big Blue and bring along Deshaun Watson with him. Hit us up with it. We want all, man. Follow us at one man podcast. And until next time, as Andy Mackowitz wants, needs, and nay, demands the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.